humans have been enjoying wine for 8,000 years or more. And there's never been entry exams, literacy tests, diplomas, or membership fees. You can go as far or deep as you want, or just take it all in and find your happy place. That being said, we like to spend our week looking for things that we can share with you in this space and time. We'll give you food for thought, ideas for adventures, and most weeks, tips, pointers, and insights that you can use the minute the program ends. Wine has always united us. It still does. And we've never needed that more. So climb aboard. There is no time like the present to get your adventure started. So here's your host, the doctor of deliciousness, the chairman of the Bordeaux, the top gun of wine fun, David Wilson. A couple of weeks ago, I introduced someone very special to the Grape Encounters audience, and it quickly became apparent to me that a road trip needed to happen, and really, really soon. Let me explain why. For the past 15 years, this show's mission has been to help you find the most satisfying experiences where food and wine are concerned. We live in a time when we have to work harder for less, and as a result, we miss out on some of the best things in life. So when I come across people, places, and businesses that truly enhance the quality of our lives, I make it my mission to bring you into the conversation. Lindsay Gabbard and I have something in common. We're both Americans who came to Italy on a mission of discovery and knew we needed to put down roots. For several years now, Lindsay has been an integral part of the historic Rascioli family of wine and culinary businesses. I could never have imagined an organization more single-mindedly dedicated to putting life's greatest pleasures front and center. So I decided to come to Rome and immerse myself in their delicious and magical world, get to know their awesome family of people-pleasers, and do all I can to let their story and perspective inspire you. So with the help of trains, taxis, and buses, I'm here with Lindsay for a couple of weeks to present a special extended edition of Grape Encounters. Lindsay, it is so great to be with you in person. <laughs> Thanks for being here with me. I told you that I was going to do this, right? Mm-hmm. You got to watch out, watch what you say. But anyway, no, I came to Rome from the other side of the country, which is the Abruzzo side. And I must tell you, it's a little calmer where I come from. Here it is just mayhem. Complete. <laughs> Why did you do it? Talk about the migratory path to get here. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much did a ping pong in the world here. I grew up in the Detroit area, so I was there for about 29 years. And then after just dealing with enough winters there and being pretty passionate about wine for a good decade by that point, I thought maybe it's the time to uh, make a move. And so I decided to approach the California office where I was working, which was California Closets at that time. That was my main job, even though wine had always been a passion. I wasn't working in it, per se. I thought maybe I would design cellars one day, wine cellars. That would be... Hey, did you ever do that, Ashley? I actually did design a couple of cellars in my career there, yes, but I thought maybe one day I'll do it more full-time, but I ended up moving over to Los Angeles and then got my way up to Santa Barbara, which meant that we had vineyards very, very close to us, so I started to get a little bit more focused on wine when I was there. I started studying, I met Brian McClintock, of course, from the Somme documentary, and he was one that encouraged me to start studying more formally with the Quartermaster Sommeliers, and when I started studying for level two, I realized I was losing all of my passion, so I thought, there's something wrong here. I'm annoying my mom when I talk to her. She said, Lynn, just can you just drink the wine? And... (laughs) I said, something's just not adding up. Let's go 
to Rosholi and get a synopsis of what this place is because I was here all day yesterday and all I did was go back to my hotel room confused. I understand that. I, the same thing happened to me when I came to Rosholi for the first time. <laughs> the city is so complicated. But the other thing about it, it seems to me, it's I was trying to think of a metaphor for Rome and it's kind of like a kaleidoscope in that, you know, you take a kaleidoscope and you spin it and everything morphs. You know, it's constantly morphing. And you can see that when you roam around Rome, it's morphing. They're constantly rebuilding things, repurposing things. Some of the old becomes new again. That seems to be a big part of your story here. You know, taking something that has very old roots and then grafting new things, like that metaphor. Mm -hmm. Oh, there you go. Grafting, well <laughs> new, grafting new things onto that. So give us a rundown of what this looks like, this company. Well, basically, Rosholi started off as a bakery. They took over the longest continually operating bakery that dates to about 1824, uh -huh. uh, which is right in Campo de Fiori, and they did that in 1972. About 20 years later, they opened up the Salumeria, which is only about 20 steps away from it. And the Salumeria means deli, and so that's where they had a you know, beautiful deli and like kind of a grocery store which 10 years after that became kind of a revolutionary concept when they added a kitchen to it. And so it became actually a restaurant within a deli, which is why in that space, it's it's kind of total chaos because it's like a grocery store with a restaurant on the inside. And now, of course, that concept is repeated very often. I don't know if they were the very, very first to create this concept, but they certainly were one of the first at that time. So it kind of reminds me of a Dean and DeLuca. Kind of, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, you but know. honestly, and, and this is nothing against Dean and DeLuca because I love that place, but this was extraordinary like I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. I mean, I sat in there. I didn't sit in there because you can't sit in there. <laughs> but I was in there observing and it was breathtaking to look at what was mm -hmm. in the display cases, the hot food that they were serving. I don't think I've ever really been in a space that small that was offering that much. It was really impressive. Yeah, I that mean, place, the, the quality of the food, though. It's really maximized. Every last square centimeter is full of different products. And instead of having things just like pictures on the wall and decorations, the entire place is literally like hugging you with different products. And you see colors and wines and, you know, different gastronomy, cheeses, meats, hams. Everything's hanging from the ceiling or from, you know, stuffed into a corner in a wall. There's, you know, different spaghetti and pastas everywhere. So it's really a unique experience that you don't really get to see. In, but in, it's it's chaos. It's I mean, complete chaos, it's just complete like Rome chaos, is, completely. But it works, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who walks in there and says, you know, we need to add more prosciutto here and we need a couple of different kinds? I mean, who does that? I mean, it fills in all of those little spaces because it's a puzzle. There's actually a word we created and we used it in Remessa Rosholi, which was to rosholize, like rosholize <laughs> the place, which is fill every little last square inch with products and things things and whatever it is, gastronomy or wine or whatever. Is do you have to do inventory? No. No? I do inventory. <laughs> Thank God. I can't even imagine that process, you know, because I had a business back in California that sold wine. We had to do inventory. Oh, no, we don't. And that by itself, neatly lined up bottles was hard to inventory. For me, I can't imagine. I think we'd have to shut down for like an entire month if we but did you got, I mean, you got so many things too. I mean, you have perishable goods, yeah. right? Yeah. So how to, that's a company secret. Forget about that. <laughs> no, things go quick in our, our restaurant. We're lucky. Things go quick. 
How do you do that when you you have so many different things and you know you mm-hmm. you have things that are aging? Does that become part of a special that you know you you well actually put together? Most, How does it work? Exactly? Most of the products that are on our shelves get used in our kitchen. Even so, if I we're see. not, I that's mean, what I was. I was we thinking, don't use yeah. a cheaper olive oil in the kitchen. We use the olive oils that are the artisan ones that we would sell to our customers. So uh, anything that you know not is starting to expire. I mean, we would use up anything well beforehand because we just. Use Use it in our kitchen. If clients aren't buying it, no problem. We'll we use it. Okay, Lindsay Gabbard is. You know, I don't have a title for you that I can use because you wear a bunch of different hats. Mm-hmm. But you've been here how long now? Eight years. Eight years, it's and fun. you're not going back to the states. At this point, I don't think so. Even though my mom shouldn't hear this on the. Uh... <laughs> what would it take to send you home? Uh, you know, even opening up a Rosholi over there in the center of Soho, which we're doing in about two months here, know, isn't uh, sending me back that way. So I don't know what would it take at this point. <laughs> You're opening up a Rosholi in Soho. Mm-hmm. Are you the one that's going to be supervising? The- I mean, that's well no, underway, no. right? My goal is to stay in Rome. I came here for a reason. So no, my goal is, is mainly to stay here. But of course, since I am a citizen of the U.S., I don't have visa problems. And if we run into any pinches, and I'll for sure go for the opening and spend right. some time with our wine club members, connect with those guys. Uh, because our clients have really become a lot of our friends. I mean, people are all saying, when you're there, tell me, I'll fly from Arizona, I'll fly from California, I'll come in from Michigan, I want to bring people. So I'll for sure have to spend some time over there. But I don't intend to, I, I prefer to stay in Rome. Is this going to be a little Rosholi or a big Rosholi? Oh, it'll be a mixture of our different locations here. So it'll be different in the sense that we have different products to work with there. We won't have the ex- access to the exact same thing. So we're going to adapt to the market a bit. And we'll combine some of the philosophies that Salumeri Rosholi has with what we have at Remessa Rosholi, which are basically all focusing on artisan products, things that are as local as possible, but where you can't find the perfection in something local, of course, maybe going a little bit further to find it. But we want to even showcase some of the American wines. Uh, we know that there mm-hmm. are places, people doing great things. In Virginia, we've tasted some great wines in Finger Lakes region there are some great wines so we've had some beautiful goat's cheeses over there so we'll incorporate all of those too into the Rosholi. All right we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back we're talking to Lindsay Gabbard. We are at Remessa Rosholi right now in a basement I might add. <laughs> yes this <laughs> is our, our warehouse. Yes. Let me tell you why we're here though we're in the basement because upstairs it's controlled chaos. A beautiful chaos. It's like you sit there and there are just people constantly passing by with plates of things that will make you very fat. They no, actually don't. I no, eat I'm everything just saying, here I, and I, I'm the smallest I've ever been. <laughs> well, yesterday I sat at the cafe and they brought me first this load of bread. I have to talk about that bread. There's something that I need to know about that. They brought bread. They brought pizza. And then they brought this. It was more bread. I don't know what kind of bread it was, but it had really thinly sliced veal on it and olive oil and capers. And I learned things I had never known about capers yesterday. Absolutely fantastic. Okay, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back right after this. At every family gathering, my brother Steve and I each bring several bottles of wines and try to one-up each other. I bring wines from all over. Steve only brings wines from California's Mendocino wine country, where he's lived for decades. And even though there are hundreds of great wineries there he can choose from, he mostly brings wines from the Graziano family of wines. Now you'd think you'd see a lot of duplicates from past gatherings since most producers only make 6 to 12 wines, but Graziano has 5 brands that make literally dozens, upwards of 30 mostly Italian varietals, and all rock stars. Made by the real rock star, Greg Graziano. 
You can hear my recent interview with Greg at GrapeEncounters.com, and you can find Graziano wines all over America or buy them online at GrazianoFamilyOfWines.com. I've never confessed how much I love Graziano wines to my brother, and uh, let's keep it that way. For the past year and a half, I've been surrounded by awesome Italian wines. But if you want to experience Italy's finest, you don't even have to leave your neighborhood, thanks to Total Wine & More. Just arriving straight from Tuscany, they've got the new St. Giorgio wines from the remarkable Castellani family. For 120 years, the Castellanis have been dedicated to the craft of traditional Italian winemaking, producing top-quality wines at incredible values, like the Vino Nobile with a 96-point rating. It does not disappoint. And with bottles starting at just $9.99 and more varietals with near-perfect scores, we can all enjoy Italy's best for much less. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, always find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine & More. And drink responsibly. Be 21. We're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and we are with Lindsay Gabbard. You started to tell us about the bakery and it being the oldest bakery. Let's just run down all of the elements that you're working with here now. What are all of the moving parts? And I don't mean the real minutiae, but I'm really talking about there are, I count, four or like five, here, five separate businesses. Is that correct? Yeah, more or less. Like I said, there's the, the Forno, which is the bakery. That's where it started. Then it was the Salumidia. Okay, so the bakery is the oldest bakery in Rome. The place itself is the oldest bakery that was continually operative in Rome. I'm actually surprised that there aren't bakeries that go back further than that, considering how old Rome is. Yeah, no, I'm surprised too, but probably through various wars and other things, just gotcha. uh, who knows, maybe didn't continue on. All right. <laughs> so let's talk about the bread for a second. I want to just visit each of these places. They brought this basket of bread. It had, I don't know, four or five different kinds of bread on the basket. I assume you do that with everybody? Yes, Okay, yes. it wasn't just because I'm a pretty face. Exactly. We did that also. We gave uh, you a little extra for that reason. Okay. There's something amazing about the breads, and it wasn't just one. It was all of them. First of all, they really should be eaten right away, shouldn't they? Yeah, in general, especially the pizza, which we're the most famous for, which is what some people will call focaccia, because pizza in the U.S., of course, assumes there's going to be sauce and toppings and all these kind of things. And people get here, and if you order pizza, you're going to just get just the bread. There's going to be nothing else on top of it. So that's what we call pizza in Rome. And um, it's got this snap to it, this snap, crackle, pop. Oh, now I'm into Rice Krispies. No, it's got this snap, this crunch to it that the first time you bite into it, you go, I want to just do this all day. Yeah, the crust of the Rosholi oh. bread, especially the Laudiano, is phenomenal. I don't even know. I was literally speechless. You know, you bite down, you expect one thing to happen, and then something else happens. And maybe this sounds corny to some people, but I guarantee you that if you come here and you do what I did yesterday, which is just to sit down at a table, I had some nice rosé, and the bread came, 
I took a bite. I literally died and went to heaven. I really did. And I thought, this other bread in here can't possibly be as good as that first piece of bread. And darned if it wasn't, it was really awesome. One bread had, I've had bread with olives in it before, but never liked the one I had yesterday. I had bread with, I think they were walnuts in it. The, yeah, they have the one with the walnuts and the olives together in it, uh, which is beautiful. It's just crazy. And you have this kind of a crowd of people that are there and it's not uncomfortable. It's actually very fun to be. You know, that's what is so interesting about your businesses is in each one of them, there's definitely people waiting. They want to go inside, but they're all happy. You know, it maybe it takes a few minutes to get something, but the payoff is better than the wait. Worth the wait, I should say. Just the whole environmental aspect of what you're doing here is so amazing. And it makes the food taste better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, there's usually a line out the door for the Forno. I have no problem waiting in it because I ate that pizza, actually the pizza with the toppings, I should say, but the pizza al taglio that they make. I had that four days a week during COVID. I had no problem waiting in a 40 minute line if that's what it took. It's absolutely worth the wait. But yeah, no, I mean, Rosholi now is about a seven week wait time to get a dinner there. I think that definitely doesn't hurt to make you enjoy the experience a little bit more when you knew you had to book it. Okay, let's go back. So we've, I think, talked the bakery through pretty well. Mm -hmm. So then the next thing is where I sat in the afternoon. We call it a cafe. Is that the right word? Rosholi Cafe. Yeah, cafe means, means yeah, coffee. Yeah, cafe means something different here yeah. than it does in the States. So it's our coffee bar that also has a space in the back where you can actually sit and dine. Yeah. And then outside, of course, after COVID, we have tables out there as well. So it is more of a true cafe in the sense of a cafe that most people would understand it as. But also it is our coffee bar. Its main purpose is our coffee bar. And then there are special treats there. I was served something. I don't remember what the it's called. The Yes. With the panna on the inside. Uh, yeah. Come on, man. That should be illegal. It really should be. It looks like it looks almost like a roll, like a dinner roll when you look at it, except it's split open and then it's stuffed with a cream. So then I'm thinking, no, it looks more like a baked potato with sour cream. Pretty much with whipped cream. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> you got to start somewhere with your impression. But oh, my gosh. And it's about the cream, I think, too. Is there something special about the cream that's used to make? You're just like shaking your I, head. I have no clue. Everything here is better. The milk and the coffee is better. When I go home to the U.S., I'm constantly, my issue is always the milk. The Even the supermarket milk in Italy is so much better. And right? the creams and things. Surely Rosholi gets all the creams from smaller local artisans. So that, I don't know the exact producer of them, but certainly we use local uh, artisan type products. How many buyers do you have? Do you know? I have no clue. Okay. Because between all the restaurants, we all operate somewhat individually as restaurants. So, so. so I'm sitting down here in, this is a storage room as well. One of the many. And yes. it's one of the many. Okay. One of the many, yes. All right. And it's literally stacked to the ceiling with products. These are your products. Yeah, yeah. And how do these get, are these sold in grocery stores? Are they? No, these are, are they, all for our own personal locations. We are starting to do okay, some labels that are going to go into the United States because we will have some importation that we'll be doing over there. So some of the things will be imported, but in general, these are products that we use in our restaurant. Can I buy any of this online right now? Yeah, we have a shop. There's shop.rosholi.com wow. where you can buy a lot of the products. The wines, of course, we have the Rosholi Wine Club. But yeah, no, well, we're going to talk things. about the wine club mm -hmm. separately here in just a second. But we were back at the cafe mm -hmm. and that's where I had the thinly sliced veal sandwich. I don't know what it's called, but it was really good. On the plate, it had th these capers and I didn't know what they were because they were large. And when you say caper in the U.S., they're 
teeny tiny. Smaller than peas, I know. Like tiny little, yeah. And I learned how they got from big to little. It, they're the same thing. It's just they... A few more days on the... Um, yeah. Before they harvest. Well, yeah, that's crazy. Don't do that. <laughs> the big ones are way better. And they've got the seeds inside. They're all crackling and delicious. If you've ever seen the caper flower, it's absolutely beautiful. I show it to people really? in my tasting dinner sometimes. And I say, anyone have a clue what this flower is? And they all say, no, is it an orchid? And I say, nope, it looks very tropical. And it's the caper flower, but it's beautiful on the inside. And then, of course, the caper becomes the caper fruit after that. And then you have the cocoon cheese, which are delicious. The caper berry. I don't know if you know those as well. But no, those are delicious. No, yeah, I yeah. Do, no, I don't. Because my whole life, I've steered away from capers because mostly when I taste capers in something like a salad or whatever, I can't stand them. I hate them. Yesterday, I became a caper fan. <laughs> are they accessible around Italy? Can you find them? Because I've never grow seen, out of every but I'm possible talking about, crack and corner. I'm, I'm, so I'm yes. talking about the big ones, though, the big capers. Yeah, obviously, the further south you get, they where it's warmer, they tend to grow. Like, they're wild. They are literally just everywhere. They look like weeds in a way. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, certainly you can get all those big kind of capers. Okay. Even probably in supermarkets, I've seen capers that are way bigger than the ones that I've ever seen in the U.S. Delicious. Okay. So the point of all of this, we're at Risholi. We're in the middle, immersed in, it's a conglomeration of businesses that all have their particular emphasis, but there's some overlap, a lot of overlap at the yeah, same the time. Yeah, the philosophies are similar between yeah. all the locations. Working with high quality ingredients, very few ingredients, but really good ones, but and artisan products. But other than that, we all have a slightly different mood and spirit, which works. So I think the thing is that anybody that comes here can li literally just park your bottom on a chair and you can discover so many things that you never knew existed. I mean, I get around. I'm shocked that I don't know what you just told me about capers, but there's so much of that kind of stuff in your store. And I know part of it is just Italian culture, and so much of that doesn't make it to the U.S. Like, I can tell you for sure that after living in Italy for a year and a half, that 95% of the things that are important to Italian culture don't make it to the U.S. For sure. All right, we're going to be back in just a second with more Grape Encounters, so stay with us. In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine. When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia, her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Caria into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. At mmorganics.com in Paso Robles, California, Walnuts and Wine is the ultimate love story. You'll flip over their 100% organic port-style dessert wines and organic heirloom walnut products, including sprouted snacking walnuts in five awesome flavors, irresistible raw organic walnut butter, free trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com. At Bar Dog, we believe that every dog deserves a life of unconditional love. That's why we've teamed up with Petfinder Foundation to establish the Bar Dog Operations Grant Money from this grant goes to rescue shelters across North America and helps save animals awaiting their forever homes. Visit bardogwine.com to find a bottle near you and help Bardog give back. Bardog. Wine for humans. Love for dogs.
We're back with more grape encounters. Did you know that there are approximately 600 grapes in every glass of wine and about 3,000 in every bottle? And remember that breakfast cereal commercial that claimed there were two scoops of raisins in every package of their Brand Flakes product? It's a good thing most people don't drink wine for breakfast because the potential to have more than your fair daily share of grapes is definitely there. Thank goodness farmers grow more grapes than any other fruit. And grapes groovy. We're back with Rape Encounters Radio, and Lindsay Gabbard doesn't know it yet, but the room that we're in is going to be converted into my apartment. Why not? There's enough room for a couch in here. And I've, I've seen Italians live in quite strange situations, so it's certainly because it's <laughs> things are smaller here, and so yes, there's enough space. It's bad in the sense that there's no windows, there's no view here, but we could just put some flat screens that look like windows. I'm more interested in the fact that I could just go upstairs and I could really enjoy a foodie life and a wino life like you can't even possibly believe. This place actually is the epitome of decadent. It is. I guess you could say that, yes. <laughs> is it more decadent than when you got here? No, things don't change much in Rome nor at Rosholi. Maybe a few products get added in and found, but in general, things don't change here so much. Let's move now into the realm of wine, okay? First of all, you have for sale retail a really amazing selection of wine. Yeah. Really amazing. Are you principally behind the sourcing of wine? You have, obviously, Psalms here as well. How do you do it? No, we're a really big group. Salume de Rosholi manages their own wine. Maurizio Paparello is a master sommelier who is considered one of the most important sommeliers in all of Italy. So he, of course, runs the wine program over at Salume de Rosholi. Here at Rimesa Rosholi, Alessandro Pepe has managed a lot of the wine list with more of the smaller artisan winemakers. Gaetano Focus, Gaetano Sacocha is probably one of the most important influencers in the world of like natural wines and kind of products uh -huh. that go back to the basics, ancient grains, et cetera, et cetera. So he's in charge of wines and foods that come from boutique, like things that don't ever leave Italy. So he's in charge of that. And then, of course, for the wine club, myself, Alessandro, and even all of our sommeliers make decisions on which wines ultimately end up in the club. It's not a one-person decision. We make sure everyone's tasting things because I have an Amer not an American palate, but I come from, I know my people. As we say, we have the phrase, I know my chickens. So that's okay. the way you say it in Italian. So I understand a little bit more of what might be slightly more approachable to the average American, but we don't worry so much. Like I was telling you before, we don't really worry so much about exact taste because tastes are, we like them, we dislike them, we change our minds. When we have a story behind it, all of a sudden we can put a new context to it. I think that there is some massive change that is percolating under the surface right now. Some of it has already bubbled up to the surface, but there are a number of sommeliers now that are becoming very vocal, vocal in challenging old ways, old thinking about pairing food and wine, starting to acknowledge the very different way that you comprehend a wine to taste versus me. I think it's wonderful, personally. And I got my eyes opened to this when, I don't know if you know Tim Hanai, but Tim was one of the most decorated sommeliers, certainly in the U.S., 
so he's speaking at this conference in New Zealand about Sauvignon Blancs, and somewhere in the middle of the conversation, somebody says, what do you think about food and wine pairings in general? And I forget how the question was worded, but he came out and he said, I think it's all bullshit. And I don't think I've seen anyone comment get more press than that particular comment. Now, absolutely, there are some amazing food and wine pairings, and you do them here. But what do you think about where the world is going to go in terms of the role of the psalm and the understanding of, I think it's all about taste, isn't it? I mean, the idea that we all taste things differently. How do you overcome that? I know I'm asking you a lot of questions at one time, but take your best shot. Yeah, so where to start? So the um, idea that we have of what a sommelier is not necessarily just one that's only focusing on the wine and the food pairing. It's also the person that becomes the liaison between the winery, what their experience was there, and conveying that to a client in a way that's digestible. Because it'd be like if I had a plastic sur or a surgeon of some sort talking to me with all of their a heart surgeon or brain surgeon with all of their technical terms. I it's going to go right over my head and I'm not going to care. And so if you use some of these words like malolactic fermentation, my mom, <laughs> she's out. She doesn't care anymore. Yeah. So finding a way to communicate a wine story to a client is to me the more of the role of a sommelier. Of course, there is the food pairing element as well. And Italian wines are so important to be paired with food because they are more acidic in general. And so sometimes that quality alone makes someone not appreciate a wine because it's too sharp or sour or harsh on their palate. And so drinking it alone, and we, I ask every single time I do the wine tasting dinner that we have where they taste eight wines with eight different plates of foods and meats and cheeses and pasta. And I say, of course, always taste the wine first, then try a bite of the food, then go back to the wine and see what happens. Okay. And I see I, people's eyes just turn into like deer in headlights. Oh my gosh, there is an actual science behind this or something. There is here, wine is like water on a table, of course. So there is an important element to wines and foods working together because they are always thought of together. We don't have the culture of sitting by the fireplace and drinking right. a wine. If you want to have that situation, no problem. There's Amarone, which is a little bit softer and easier. But most of these wines are always consumed with food around. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting, though. Italy is really broken up into very distinct areas, regions. So if you go to a place like where I live, you're going to find that the wines are going to be very specific, specific to the region and the foods that are prepared in that region and then you can go literally 50 miles away and find a completely you can, different you can go five kilometers away <laughs> it's yeah, like crazy say, in this country yeah the 1800 grapes i mean the pasta shape changes the foods available change the way the bread is made changes every little village has something unique to offer usually and of course we have those little cliche term of what grows together goes together in this country. I tell anyone who's doing my tasting, guys, you don't have to worry about seeing these huge wine lists and what to do and what to select. Yeah. Just go with, ask for a local, say I like maybe Cabernet, because oh, people in the US, of course, know Cabernet, Merlot, Chardonnay, Sauvignon yeah. Blanc, Pinot Noir, Syrah, Malbec, and that's it. The big so, nine. Exactly. And of course, you don't know to come in and ask for a Pella Verga or a Schiopettino or a Bonambino Bianco, but just whatever's local for that region, try to just drink something local because 90 times out of 100, it's probably going to pair the dish perfectly because here foods and wines have evolved over decades, if not to centuries together. together. Yeah, so yeah, 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 they work. For me, like the ultimate sommelier is somebody 
who can understand my taste and can find wines that I personally am going to love. So he or she is like a fashion consultant, like a dating consultant, you know? In the old days, dating services weren't this whole digital thing that you did, but you filled out a profile and then there was somebody that went out and found your match. I think that's, for me, like the ultimate sommelier for me is going to do that, is going to understand me, understand what I'm tasting when I'm eating food, when I'm drinking wine and is going to go bird dog things for me and help me to understand those. I think ultimately, if you can help me understand why I like what I like, then I can find more of it and I can find things that I like even better. Yeah, that's definitely something we do. And of course, coming over from the U.S., wine is a complete universe here in Italy. And so someone needs to even take that concept and translate it into something. Usually the Americans come over with only a few words to describe wines that they like or dislike. I like Cabernet. I don't like oak. I like oak wine. There's very few words that they give. And of course, in Italy, we don't have as many oaked wines. We do. There's not as many. So some people have to also understand that the wines here are different and they're intentionally different because I don't think anyone wants to wake up to the entire world of wine tasting the exact same. So understand that our wines are more meant for meals. They're more meant for that type of an experience. But yeah, no, it's definitely the role of the sommelier to try to take the few things that the client is giving them and open them up to a complete new universe of wine. Okay, we've got to take a break. We're talking to Lindsay Gabbard, and we are at Remesa Rascioli right at the moment. I wish we could wander about while we're talking, but I think I think we do a pretty good job of helping people to visualize it. It's just, it's, it's controlled chaos, and it's beautiful. And the reason that I wanted to do this show so badly is because I think the world needs more of what you're doing. Don't we just live to eat? and drink. We'd like to think that there's more to life than just eating and drinking, but that's really... Okay, hold that thought. We're going (laughs) to explain that in just a second. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. If you love watching those talent shows on TV as much as I do, you know that each time a competitor takes the stage, they're expected to outdo their last performance. And that's probably why Total Wine & More is such an impossible act to follow. I can't possibly count the number of times that I've been blown away by the incredible selection of truly exceptional wines that they're able to sell at savings that should be impossible, but they constantly outdo themselves. So when I learned that the new St. Giorgio Tuscan wines from the legendary Castellani family are available at Total Wine for as little as $9.99, I had to give you the 411. The Castellanis have been producing premium quality traditional Italian wines for 120 years. And these St. Giorgio wines are getting amazing scores, like the 96-point Vino Nobile and Chianti Classico Reserva. Even living in Italy, there's no way I could find deals like these. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, always find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine & More. And drink responsibly. Be 21. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure, those health nuts are actually dry-farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. 
Imagine, walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMorganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. MMorganics.com eating any other nuts is just plain nuts. The only thing that Mendocino County winemaker Greg Graziano can't tell you about wine is how many different choices he makes. It's somewhere between dozens and cowabunga. Artisans like Greg don't count, they create. Did Da Vinci or Michelangelo take inventory? Let's just say that Italians like Greg can easily get carried away, especially when it comes to food and wine. Great wine is in Greg's DNA. His immigrant grandparents started making Mendocino wines in the early 20s, and despite being the head honcho of the much-beloved Graziano family of wines, Greg is just a humble, lovable guy. When you play in the dirt all day, you can't help but be down to earth. Ask your wine cellar for Graziano wines, or just visit GrazianoFamilyOfWines.com. They've got five different brands. Why? Well, because Italians tend to have big families. Life is just more fun with a Graziano at your table. All right, back with Grape Encounters Radio, and I am sitting with Lindsay Gabbard, and we are at Remessa Rascioli. That's the right way to say it. You know, it's really fun to sit and listen to people talking, and you hear people say Italian words a hundred different ways, right? What did you do when you first got here? Did you speak Italian, or did no. you learn it here? You did. I, I've learned it here, and I wouldn't speak it because in Rome you can easily get away without having to speak Italian. Yes, you it's could. A very internationalized place, but thankfully one of my colleagues can't really get other than yes, no, still sparkling. Yeah. So we, I was forced to have to speak with him in Italian, so that really helped me. I get a lot of heat about not speaking Italian. I'm learning a lot but still I'm worthless and I'm trying, but I find it very difficult to learn Italian. I really do. But if you live in a place where I live, where 98% of the people don't speak English, it can be very frustrating and claustrophobic because you just don't have anybody to talk to. I'm so glad I'm here with you guys. <laughs> no, anyway. No, I said the same thing. For like the first two years, I was mute. And it's really strange to be an adult and not have things to talk about or you just don't have the ability to interject quick enough. And so for two years, I feel like I sat around as like a silent person, which is really it's not you. demoralizing <laughs> sometimes. But yeah, it's not me at all. What happens is it's this is we're addressing here the um, sort of dark side, but it it is the part of living in not just Italy, but another country that people don't really think about. We romanticize coming to a place like this. I certainly did. Oh, I'm going to be living in Italy and want to be wonderful. And no, it's going to have some real issues that you're going to deal with. And language is probably the top of the list. It's and I, one of them for sure. Yeah. Well, did this happen to you? This happens to me a lot that you get together with people and they start the conversation in English as a courtesy, and they all speak English, or at least mostly they speak English. And then the conversation starts to devolve 
maybe that's not a fair word, but it morphs into Italian very quickly. And then all of a sudden you're sitting there and an hour has gone by and you haven't said a word. Yeah, that's the not so fun part of living here. All right, let's talk about the wine club. Where did it come from? I know it was your baby. Myself and Alessandro Pepe. Okay, so talk about it because I've had a wine club before and I know how difficult they are to run. And I just want to know about what you're doing with that. Yeah, it started off as basically a way we just had a lot of people who would do our wine tasting dinner, which is the pairing with the eight wines. They would love the wines that they were exposed to and they would say, how do I recreate this at home? And so we decided to start to ship our wines Food can't unfortunately go with wine, so we can't unfortunately. If we had a tiramisu club, I think we would be billionaires. But unfortunately, we just Wait, stick why, with why is that? Why can't it? Why can't you ship food. tiramisu? No food. Ah, no, it's just the government's laws that they can't ship in the same box. Only liquids can go together. Who came up with that? The U.S. government. <laughs> it's a U.S. law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least with our shipper's license, they cannot put food and wine in the same package to come from another There's, country. There, there are hundreds of questions that we could ask <laughs> about why they make certain laws. And it is what it is. That's really crazy. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. No, I interrupted. No Go ahead. So basically, we started off the wine club. The most important thing that we felt was to connect people because they really connected to the stories we were sharing about the winemakers because we always have personal experience with these guys. We go and visit them in person. We've always done videos. And so these stories are what people really connected to. So the most important part of our wine club has always started with trying to give them a video of the winemaker so that they know exactly who's making their wine, what the region looks like, what the territory is like. We let them talk about what's important to them because often as sommeliers, we talk about things that winemakers don't care about. So we let them be a protagonist and it started off like that. And it grew and grew to the point now now, I don't think we can even call it a wine club anymore because it's so much more than that. We've now got about 1,700 members in the U.S. We also have wow. a good few handfuls in in Europe as well. Uh, but certainly most of our members are in the U.S. because they understand what the concept of a wine club is. And so every wine always comes with a video. We've now, during COVID, we started to really get ahead. And I had the idea to put a QR code on the back of the bottles so that instead of getting a little pamphlet or something like that, also because it's not very eco-friendly to be printing off materials in this yeah. kind of number, the idea was if you scan the QR code with your phone, you have the video there, you have the which grape it is, which yeah. region it comes from, how to pair it. We always give pairing ideas. We choose a local regional recipe that they can make if they want to prepare a dish well, fantastic. with it. And then give, of course, the whole story on the wine. And then it's even evolved even more to having more green initiatives. We use all eco-friendly packaging. And we started actually the first commercial sailboat has officially launched and our shipper decided to partner with them. And we just sent 350 boxes of wine via sailboat. So re- no reducing kidding. carbon emissions by 97% over cargo ships, which are already 10 to 20 times better than airplanes. And so this helps us to align more with the philosophy of the winemakers. So so talk to me about these sailing cargo ships because yeah. I don't I don't think people know about this. It's There's one. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> there's a saying, there's a great saying in media and it goes like this. It says, if I don't know about it, it didn't happen. And I don't know about it. Yeah. Fill us in. This is cool. There's only one. There's only one so far. They're building their second boat, which is going to have 10 times the capacity that she oh my launched gosh. this winter. And having 10 times capacity means the boat is bigger, meaning that it actually gets across faster because this boat, the current boat got over in about, actually I think it arrived a few days early, but it got over in about 20 days. The next well, boat is going to well, get over there in about 14. So it's wow. as fast as air travel. Even though air travel is quite quick, the process of getting through customs, et cetera, et cetera, usually ends up still taking about three to four weeks for 
clients to get their wine. And so this wow. is actually going to be about the same amount of time. That is amazing. And then when the wine gets to the other side and people then invite their friends over to try the wine, to be able to say that the wine came on a sailing ship yeah, yeah, yeah. is really cool. We're actually just about, our wines just arrived in Brooklyn a couple days ago. So wow. we're going to be selling those wines pretty soon. They're going to be all packaged up and ready to go out to our customers. That, that is fabulous. Where did you come up with this? No, it's really our shipper. Our shipper is one who also thinks way outside the box. He's not just your typical shipper who uh -huh. deals with logistics. He has all the licenses to all 50 states in the U.S. to be shipping wines. So they've really gone, I don't know, above and beyond in terms of the services that they're able to offer. So they found this really cool project. And we're just praying to God, obviously, because there's one, there will be two soon. But we're just hoping that we can continue to get contracts because they say that it's not going to be that much more. Technically, it should be the same price as air travel. Oh, my word. So the wine gets to travel back to the U.S. aboard a brand new sailing ship. And for the same price, we get stuffed into a flying sardine can along with 500 of our closest friends. Sometimes I wish I had been born a Cabernet. All right, I have to rush out the door ASAP, so that's going to do it for today. But the terrific news is we'll be back here with Lindsay next week. And we'll also hear from some of the other wonderful folks that make this magical place possible. We can't wait. But we will with a basket of bread. <laughs> For the past year and a half, I've been surrounded by awesome Italian wines. But if you want to experience Italy's finest, you don't even have to leave your neighborhood, thanks to Total Wine and More. Just arriving straight from Tuscany, they've got the new St. Giorgio wines from the remarkable Castellani family. For 120 years, the Castellanis have been dedicated to the craft of traditional Italian winemaking, producing top-quality wines at incredible values, like the Vino Nobile with a 96-point rating. It does not disappoint. And with bottles starting at just $9.99 and more varietals with near-perfect scores, we can all enjoy Italy's best for much less. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, always find what you love and love what you find at Total Wine and More. And drink responsibly. Be 21.